Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Ellen Ratner's new book, Loving What You Do. And on the line with us is uh, the author of said book, Ellen Ratner herself. Hey, Ellen, what's going on in the world? Well, thank you. And listen, you guys do an amazing job, and I love your podcast. I listen to them, so there you have it. Well, thank you, Ellen. Okay. So today, the President of the United States and the Vice President of the United States are having a briefing and dinner with military leaders. Now, we don't know what's going to come up, and of course, it's off the record. press isn't invited. But we expect that the budget is going to come up because there is no explaining of the costs of the military budget or where that money is going. Hmm. And you can bet Congress is going to ask that question. And then the other issue is whether trans troops are going to be allowed to serve, as you know, they have, I think, till the first end of the first week in April, which is now, to either declare themselves as trans or not at all. Hmm. And then they have to use the bathroom, et cetera, of their gender, right. what they were originally given on their birth certificate. Don't you think also that there might be some preliminary planning for war with Venezuela or Iran? Well, that may be, and that's what we don't really know about. Of course, the Iran situation is very, very interesting. The United States has sold supposedly two F-35s to Iran, but now Iran has a deal with Russia for a missile defense system called an S-400. And the question is whether that's going to go through or not. Now, it's very interesting. Our very own military said it was not going to go through. But then Iran's military said it is going to go through. Hmm. So nobody really knows what's happening on that front. I remember 2010 when Donald Trump tweeted out that the reelection of Barack Obama is coming up in two years. Any minute now, he's going to start a war because that's how he's going to get himself reelected. Donald Trump thinks that way. And that's what that is how he thinks for sure. Yeah. And that concerns me tremendously. And it looks to me like he's setting us up for either a war in Venezuela or a war in Iran. And I think either one could go worldwide and be disastrous. 
And if he Disastrous. does just to get himself reelected, that's... Well, that's right. And to get people behind him in the war, for right. sure. There's no question about that. Yeah. I mean, this was George W. Bush's strategy. He told Nikki Herskowitz this a year before he was elected, that if he got elected, he'd have a war in Iraq. And, and it wouldn't be a little 100-hour war like his daddy's war. It would be a real war that would last until the next election. So he'd get himself reelected. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Anyhow, Ellen, what well, else is going on in the world? Okay. It's very interesting. The Department of Justice, not exactly anti Trump, but they are now questioning, and so it must be a career person, about the Oscars and Netflix's Roma and whether they intend to limit the eligibility of who can perform and be part of the Oscars. They're saying that Netflix cannot be X'd out. This is very, very interesting. The Department of Justice? The Department of Justice, our very own Trump Department of Justice, is taking that on. Why? You know, I can see where, you know, some coalition of other movies that think that, you know, a Netflix movie which doesn't show in theaters shouldn't be part of the Oscars. I get that. And maybe even sue in, in court and to try to stop it and get a restraining order and all that kind of stuff. But the Justice Department? Our very own Justice Department is going after the Oscars. I find that impossible to believe, given the Trump government. But, you know, it could be career people. Career people, they don't pay any attention to who's president. They go after whoever they're going to go after. That's amazing. I'd love to learn more about that. Anyhow, what else is up? The United Nations put out something about violence, and particularly Honduras, which, of course, we're now saying that we're going to eliminate any money for, which I think is terrible because they desperately need it. They say that a child under 18 dies every single day. and that In Honduras? Gang, in Honduras. And that gangs are so prevalent that basically they're saying, join us or die. Right. The disaster in Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador that was brought to us by Reagan's foreign policy. I mean, Belize is a country that is actually closer to us. It's the northernmost country on Mexico's south border. And Belize is not sending us refugees. And the reason why is because back when Reagan was president, Belize was still kind of functionally a British colony. There's still British soldiers there. And so Reagan never invaded. They were afraid of that. Right. Reagan never invaded Belize. He didn't break their government, but he illegally invaded Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. And now we're, we're getting refugees from there. And we were sending money down to those governments to try to deal with these problems. And Trump has just cut that off. Is it possible, Ellen, that he's trying to increase the number? Number of refugees he'll have because he's been screaming there's a crisis well, on the border and people say, have been oh, saying there's no crisis exactly then he can say we have a crisis at the border for sure absolutely i agree with you 100 percent that it is in his interest to get more refugees at the border wow and cutting off money to these countries is probably the fastest way to do it because it'll just sow chaos down there amazing That's ellen right. ratner with talk media news thank you ellen thank you always great talking with you Amazing stuff. You're listening to Tom Hartman. So Donald Trump tweets, A vote will be taken right after the election when Republicans hold the Senate and win back the House. It will be truly great health care that will work for America. Yeah, we're going to hold that vote right after the election, suckers. Just like Nixon did in 72, but here's the thing. Americans bought it in 72. I, I think you could say just like 96, actually. 
Newt Gingrich rolled out his contract on America, which really just pointed to a couple of kind of Coke-funded bills or suggested bills that were mostly massive tax cuts on billionaires and said, oh, you know, these wonderful, we're going to do these 10 wonderful things. And it was a scam. But it got the Republicans control of the House of Representatives. And I'm telling you, they are, they are rolling out another one right now. Meanwhile, Americans borrowed $88 billion last year to pay for health care. We are literally the only developed country in the world where people borrow money to get health care. We are the only developed country in the world where people experience bankruptcy, over 600,000 of them last year, as a consequence of somebody getting sick. The number of bankruptcies as a consequence of sickness in Canada last year, zero. Last decade, zero. Any European country, pretty much all European countries, zero. You know, other countries around the world that have that have healthcare. you know, Japan, Taiwan. I mean, zero. Right. Uh, Australia, zero. In the United States, 600,000 last year. And Americans borrowed eighty eight billion dollars to pay for health care. Tennessee just knocked one hundred and twenty eight thousand children off TenCare. This is the program that's an expansion of uh, Medicaid. You get a Republican government, and that's what happens. I mean, this is pretty much exclusively happening in red states, in Republican states. Alabama's doing it. Mississippi is doing it. Tennessee is doing it. You know, states, states where Republicans control, uh, they are figuring out ways to deny people health insurance. And uh, an interesting piece in the, uh, in the New York Times today, 48% of voters worry about paying their health care bills. 66% of people who are sick are worried, and 49% are very worried about what the, the Republicans might do. And half of all people who, in America who get sick in any given year have a problem paying their medical bills over the course of that year. So Donald Trump and the Republicans now tell us that they have a secret plan, seriously, a secret plan that they're going to unveil sometime after the 2002 elections. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? If you're old enough to remember 1970, the election in 1972, and you know, probably some of us are, and if you're not, you need to be sure to, uh, to tell somebody you know, younger about that. The way that Nixon, I mean, the Vietnam War was raging in 72. Uh, the Watergate burglary had just come to light, but he, he, you know, the investigation had just started. And Nixon's whole thing was, I'm going to end the war in Vietnam. Now, keep in mind, he's the guy who extended the war in Vietnam in 68 by committing treason and blowing up the peace deal that LBJ had worked out with South Vietnam and North Vietnam. He blew that up. He continued the war for four years. Another couple tens of thousands of Americans died. A million, another, probably another million Vietnamese died. And then Nixon came out and he said, you know, just like tens of thousands of Americans are dying for lack of health insurance and health care. And then Nixon came out and said, well, I've got a secret plan to end the Vietnam War. And I can't reveal the details, of course, because that's the whole point of a secret plan. But don't worry, right after the 1972 elections, we will be able to quickly end the war once the elections are out of the way and it's no longer politicized. Because George McGovern was running on this campaign of I'm going to end the war. 
Nixon's like, no, no, I'm the president. I can do this. I got this under control. And people believed him. And they reelected him. And so now Trump is coming out and he's saying, well, you know, we've, we're working on a plan. We've got a plan. It's a secret plan. In fact, the right-wing newspaper, and there's this right-wing newspaper in Washington, D.C. It's called the Washington Examiner. I'm pretty sure they give it away for free. Uh, you know, funded by, you know, billionaires or big corporations or God only knows what. And uh, the headline, White House working on secret health care plan with three conservative think tanks. This is positive good news in their mind. It's by Emily Ward. The White House is quietly working on a health care policy proposal to replace the Affordable Care Act, according to multiple sources with knowledge of the matter. They told the Washington Examiner that they're working with the Heritage Foundation, the Mercatus Center, and the Hoover Institute. Trump said on Tuesday, Republicans would soon be the party of health care. Right. Do you think that Trump is going to get away with this? Will the Republicans be able to pull this off? And if so, how? And if not, why? Because they did it in 72 and it worked. And, you know, one of Nixon's principal advisors back then was Roger Stone. And you know, he's still good buddies with Donald Trump. But the actual secret plan, there actually was a secret Trump health care plan that was put together before the election and was nailed down after the election and before the inauguration. And Senator Bob Casey held up three Republican appointees, put holds on them, in order to force the Trump administration to give him a copy of this secret plan. It was a 10-point plan to destroy Obamacare, to destroy the Affordable Care Act. And Bob Casey literally just got a copy of it. This was from a meeting that was held on March 23rd, right after, right after Trump was inaugurated president. And, you know, it looked like the Republican efforts to destroy the Affordable Care Act were chaotic and, you know, just willy-nilly. Turns out it was actually quite well organized. They had this 10-point plan, including cutting the sign-up period in half for Obamacare. This was all designed to destroy Obamacare. Give states the ability to determine whether insurers actually had to do, had to provide all the benefits that Obamacare required. See, Obamacare says, for example, you have to pay for birth control. You have to pay for routine examinations. They actually save money over time. Well, now in a Republican state, they could say, no, no, you don't have to pay for that. Or you have to pay for cancer therapy after it costs a million dollars. Oh, no, you don't have to pay for that. Another part of it is to encourage the states to build less robust exchanges than required by Obamacare. Make it harder for people to sign up. Prevent health care providers from steering patients to Obamacare plans. So if you go to your doctor and you say, geez, I just, my insurance company's killing me. I can't afford this. And right now the doctor can say, well, have you checked out the Obamacare plans? They're subsidized. It's much less expensive. Trump wants to put a gag order on this, just like, you know, some doctors in some states can't say, oh, well, you know, you're pregnant, you can get an abortion. Here's where you can go. The gag rule. By the way, in this meeting where Mick Mulvaney, Tom Price, and members of the House Freedom Caucus, Mark Meadows has been championing this. The, you know, the, the, these are, I call them the Cokehead Caucus, right? These are the guys who take lots and lots of money from, from the Cokes and, and the, the Coke Network and that whole, the whole right-wing thing. One of our listeners on, regular listeners who was over on Facebook, uh, had a suggestion for uh, the new name for that, Kurt Scammell. And he says uh, it should be called the Pay Out of Pocket plan. 
the GOP pay out of pocket health care plan. I tweeted this out this morning, hashtag pay out of pocket, P-O-O-P. Sure enough, the Republican health care poop plan. Seriously, this, that, well, not seriously, but that's really, I mean, other people were kind of responding on Twitter with other acronyms that spelled out words that I can't say on the radio. And, uh, but this is it. You're listening to Tom Hartman. You know, Louise and I just got back from Mexico, and uh, we took a week's vacation uh, with my brother and his family, but it was also a week that I could finish up writing this, this book on voting that I've been working on. And while we were there, uh, my brother-in-law, or my brother and sister-in-law rented a house that we all shared, and it, it, it had, you know, a, a Wi-Fi that was kind of public Wi-Fi. And, uh, you know, going to town, there's public Wi-Fi. At the airport, there's public Wi-Fi. Pretty much everywhere I was, I didn't know, you know, whether it was secure or not, but I was not concerned because Louise and I both use ExpressVPN. I have it on my iPhone. I have it on my computer. Louise has it on her laptop. I have it on my laptop. Uh, She has it on her iPad. Uh, ExpressVPN, it's one click. It secures and anonymizes your internet browsing. In fact, when we were in Mexico, uh, if it, you know, it, it would have looked to any website pretty much like we were in the United States because the ExpressVPN uh, apparently was just dropping our data and you know encrypted from where we were in Mexico right into the United States, you know, into a main pipeline and uh, completely safe, completely secure. Uh, with Ex- ExpressVPN, I can surf any wi- Wi-Fi without worrying about my personal data being stolen, and it's less than seven bucks a month. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same protection that Louise and I have. And ExpressVPN has been rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. You can protect your online activity now and get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash T-H-O-M for three months free with a one-year package. This is a product. I love endorsing this product. I actually use it. ExpressVPN is something you should have. Visit expressvpn.com slash Tom, T-H-O-M, to learn more. And thanks for supporting our program. I'm wondering if this is actually going to in a big way, help the Republicans. Just to, to, to take a serious, sober look at this for a moment. The thing, according to all the exit polls, that caused Democrats to take back control of the House of Representatives in the election last year was health care. Trump had said, I'm going to give you better health care at lower cost. He didn't even touch the topic in the first two years other than to do everything he could to damage Obamacare. Trump's secret plan to scrap Obamacare over at Politico, it points out that there actually was a secret plan to destroy the Affordable Care Act. And Congressman Bob Casey, the Democrat from Pennsylvania, or Senator Bob Casey, excuse me, by putting a hold on three different Trump appointees, finally forced the Trump administration to deliver this 10-point memo that was part of a meeting back in March back in March after Trump was inaugurated, or yeah, after he became president, that included uh, Paul Ryan and uh, Mitch McConnell. And in this meeting, they laid out these 10 things that they were going to do to destroy Obamacare. Now, nothing to replace it, just to destroy it. Tom Price was there, Mick Mulvaney was there, a bunch of guys in the Cokehead Caucus, the so-called Freedom Caucus. 
They wanted to encourage states to build less robust exchanges for Obamacare, prevent healthcare providers from steering patients to Obamacare plans, gag rules for doctors like they do for abortion. You know, oh, you, if you tell a woman that she can get an abortion or where she can get it, we're not going to pay for your, you know, we will not fund you, right? No, no more, no more uh, Medicare, Medicare, whatever it may be. They want to cut the sign-up period in half. They want to give states the ability to say, you know, we'll exempt you, insurance company, from having to cover everything like Obamacare requires. You can, you can, you can sell policies now that don't cover cancer. You can sell policies that don't cover pregnancy. You can sell policies that don't cover birth control, right? Because, I mean, that's, you know, they, they want to increase deductibles. They want to say there's all, all kinds of things that can be excluded. Uh, health insurance companies don't have to pay for cancer. They don't have to pay for pregnancy. They don't have to pay for birth control. So pay out of pocket, right? That's the Republican plan. P-O-O-P. The hashtag poop plan. And, uh, you know, and the, so I tweeted that and people came back with uh, less, you can say it on the air, <laughs> the acronyms, but, and words for, to get to them. So the question is, will the American public buy this secret plan? Now, it, that question may sound ridiculous on its face, right? Particularly after the last election was apparently, according to the exit polls, a referendum on health care. But think about it for a minute. Newt Gingrich brought the, the Republicans to control of the House of Representatives in the middle of the Clinton administration. Newt Gingrich brought in the Republicans with his so-called contract on America. I think he called it contract for America. I, I call it the contract on America. And six of the 10 points, and it was like, you know, we're going to increase transparency and we're going to, you know, boost the economy. And we're going to, all these six, six of the 10 points pointed to one piece of legislation that was simply a tax cut for billionaires and corporations. It was a scam. The, the contract on America was a scam. And the Republicans never did anything of consequence that was for the average workers. You know, they cut regulations, they cut taxes, but they didn't do anything for you and me. In fact, they made life a hell of a lot harder for average working people. But Americans bought that scam and for at least four, I think maybe six years, kept reelecting these Republicans. And then back in 1972, Nixon did the same thing. And you'll recall in 68, I mean, we just learned this a year or so ago when the LBJ library released the tapes of LBJ, the secret tapes of LBJ talking to Everett Dirksen during the election of 1968 about how Richard Nixon had reached out or his campaign had reached out to the South Vietnamese and said, you know, that, that peace deal that LBJ just cut between you and North Vietnam that you're going to sign in Paris in October. That peace deal is all worked out. Stop it right now. Wait until after the election. Richard Nixon will make you rich. We'll work out the same deal or a better deal, and we're going to take care of you. And LBJ says to Everett Dirksen, this is treason, Everett. And Everett Dirksen says, yeah, I know. So when Nixon committed treason to become president, and then in 72, you know, he hadn't ended the Vietnam War. He ran on a platform in 68 of, I'm going to end the Vietnam War. He hadn't done it in 72. And so in 72, he ran for re-election on a platform of, I now have a secret plan to end the Vietnam War, but I can't tell you about it until after the election. Or it'll get politicized. The Democrats will just turn it into hash, right? It'll, they'll, they'll screw it all up. I can't talk about it.
And the American people bought it. As I recall, he was running against George McGovern, who was going to end the war. That was the whole thing. George McGovern was going to end the war in Vietnam. And so Nixon said, ignore McGovern. I'll end the war. Don't worry. I'm the president. I know how to do this stuff. I got Henry Kissinger here. We're on it. We got a secret plan. And he got reelected. The American people bought it. The American people, we have a history of buying BS from the Republicans. These phony promises for secret plans that are going to wonderfully step into place after the election. Before Donald Trump was elected, he said, elect me. And after the election, I'll bring back jobs from China. I'll provide everybody in America with health care. I will cut taxes on working people and raise taxes on billionaires and corporations. We're going to strengthen good union jobs. Remember that? I mean, you know, he went through a whole list of promises. All of them were lies. And all of them were things he was going to do after the election. And now the Republicans are saying, hey, we've got a new plan for you. It's a secret until after the election, but it's a new plan. And I, I predict that Heritage and Mercatus, these right-wing think tanks funded by billionaires and big corporations, these right-wing think tanks are going to come up with the healthcare equivalent of Newt Gingrich's contract on America. You know, a 10-point plan or something like that that's all, in marketing, the terms are features and benefits, right? Benefits are what's in it for me. This new widget will allow you to, uh, the, will allow you to widget twice as fast. And the features are how it happens. Well, how does it happen? Well, it's a 32-digit widget instead of a 16-digit widget, right? So the details. And benefits are what sell, but features are what give credibility. So the details are what make people believe it. The benefits are what make people want it. And with the contract on America, it was just benefits. No details. No features. And with Nixon's, I'm going to end the war in 72, just benefits. No features. Just what's in it for us. No more war. No, here's how I'm going to do it. I predict that Trump and the Republicans are going to pull this switcheroo, the old rope-a-dope, the old okey-doke, they're going to pull this thing again. And I predict that the Republican voters are going to buy it. The Democratic voters are going to see it for what it is. And the scary thing is that 30% in the middle who are only marginally paying attention to the news because they're working 60, 70 hours a week just trying to put food on the table. They're only half paying attention. That they will get the benefit statement from, from the plan that Trump is going to roll out. With no there there. And, and believe it. And the Republicans are going to take back Congress. I mean, I'm seriously concerned about this. Americans are very, very concerned. I mean, right now, this, uh, you know, from the New York Times, deductibles from 2008 to 2018, over a 10-year period, deductibles rose eight times faster than wages. 43% of all insured Americans said last year, or in 2017, excuse me, it was difficult to pay their medical bills because of the, because of the deductible. 43%. That was up from 34% just two years earlier. Insurance companies are sticking it to us. And Obamacare is taking the blame for it. Because the Republicans are saying, well, that's who is responsible. Americans borrowed $88 billion last year to pay for health care. No other developed country in the world does that. Tennessee just knocked 128,000 kids off Medicaid. 
Alabama, you know, they're knocking 15, 20,000 people a month off Mississippi. I mean, this is happening in state after state after state. So there's that. And the Democrats were saying, we're going to give you health care, Medicare for all, whatever. We're going to fix it. And Americans were like, OK. But there's still a lot of Trump voters out there, right? They voted for Trump the first time. They, they voted for a Democrat two years later. And Trump is going to come along in two more years and say, hey, vote for the Republicans this time. We've got a plan. They'll roll out something. Remember when Newt Gingrich came out with his contract on America and had 10 points? Six of those 10 points pointed to one piece of legislation, which was a tax cut for rich people. Several of the other ones pointed to another piece of legislation that was a tax cut for corporations. You know, it was pointed out in the newspapers, but it didn't stop them from marketing it. We've got this 10-point plan. And every one of those points was a benefit statement. It didn't have the features. It didn't have the details. I'm telling you, the Republicans are going to do this again. They're going to say, here's the plan. They're going to give it a nice name. It's going to be a BS plan, just like the contract on America was. And I think that it may take the wind out of the Democrats' sails. What do you think? Richard in Kent, Washington. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind today? Thanks for taking my call, Tom. Sure. As far as the Republican health care plan, I have a slogan for it for us. Okay. If you're not healthy, we don't care. <laughs> well, unfortunately, that's the situation. I mean, when Ron Paul uh, was part of the uh, field looking for the Republican nomination, this is, what, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And the CNN questionnaire, I think it was uh, Anderson Cooper, said 36-year-old guy is injured outside the uh, uh, emergency room and he's dying on the street. How should his health care be paid for? And Ron Paul goes into this thing about, well, when I was a doctor, I used to have people pay me with chickens. Or, you know, people did back in the day. I mean, you know, it was basically, yeah, you're, you know, freedom in our mind is the freedom to die in the ditch like a dog, you know. And so, yeah, I'm with you. Richard, that's a good one. Thank you. Deanna in Lancaster, California, listening on KPFK. Hey, Deanna, what's up? I live in a Republican cesspool. You are my church. Every day I listen to you to keep the faith. Well, thank you, Deanna. And get the truth. And in Vietnam, they have single-payer insurance. Really? In Vietnam. Wow. They're now producing food and producing products. I'm buying things from Vietnam. I just wanted to let you know, we're the laughing stock of the world with our health plan. Yeah, we're the village idiots, the world's village idiots. It's, it's absolutely I worked true. at UCLA. I've been around medicine since 1950. I've seen it go right into the dumpster. It's a greedy place now the so-called health right. insurance industry. These guys are just banksters, and they're yes, raking in yeah. literally billions and billions of dollars. Yeah, it's a terrible situation. Deanna, thank you. Thank you for sharing are your you story. Are you still vegetarian? I am still vegetarian. You're still vegetarian. Well, me actually, too. let me I'm let me put a caveat on that. A couple times a year I've been eating fish, although I'm debating stopping that. Oh, well, you better. Yeah, God, okay. I just feed my soul. There, there you go. <laughs> Louise and I were just absolutely rigorous about it from the time we were 16 or 17 years old, which was a long time ago up until, I don't know, maybe a decade ago when we moved to Portland, and then we started eating salmon maybe once a month. But I've really, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of just, but we, we pretty much took all the dairy out of our diet a couple of years ago, and it's been a big, a big help, I think, for everything from, you know, weight to blood pressure to just general feeling good. So I did this in 1966 when they laughed at us, going into the health food store and getting carrot juice. Yeah, I became a vegetarian in 68. Yeah. The police tried to close down Lang's Health Food. They were afraid the 
carrot machine was contaminated. You're kidding. And the government prevented us from buying large amounts of vitamin C. The war on, on vitamin C and carrot juice. Yes, yes, yeah. staying alive. I'm 78 years old now. Oh, good I'm on still you. fighting. Yeah, good <laughs> on you, you, Deanna. Thank you very much for the call. It's great to hear from you, and thanks for listening to KPFK. Wow. Uh, we all have such extraordinary... When you have been around for a while, you get it, that wisdom is actually a real thing, and that it's the combination of knowledge and experience. And experience comes with time. It's real simple. Mark in San Francisco. Hey, Mark, thanks for listening at 9, 10 a.m. What's up? Oh, Tom, thanks for the newsletter. I get it every day. I really appreciate it. Oh, great. You're, you're welcome. And thanks to Sue Nethercutt, who puts the thing together every day. It's a, a labor of love for her, and she does a great job. You, uh, Tom, what I want to talk about is where the Democrats have leverage in the health care dispute is they have the Green New Deal, which they uh, are promoting clean air and clean water, where we have the polluters, the Republican Party, who want to poison the air, poison the water. So who's really the party that you want to trust with health care? I think that's the message the Democrats have to lay out. Well, and I would put it on a larger uh, time spectrum, Mark. I mean, you know, go back to the 1960s. Who was it who was opposing the existence of Medicare when it was first proposed in 1964 by Lyndon Johnson? It was the Republicans. Who was it who recorded a 33 LP, 30 minute long rant about how if we went to Medicare, that would be the first step on the road to socialism, which, you know, and someday we'll look back and say, I remember when America was free. That was Ronald Reagan. I mean, the Republicans, who, who was it who fought against Social Security in 1933 and 1934? Well, I guess it was 35 Social Security was passed. Who was it who called Social Security communism and socialism? It was the Republicans. Who was it who campaigned for the House of Representatives in 1979 on a campaign, a singular campaign of privatizing Social Security ending Medicare, George W. Bush. I mean, you know, it's like the Republicans forever have been opposed to Americans getting any, quote, benefits, any, you know, be, being paid off by the socialist government. This is the Republican meme. So, of course, you don't want to trust the government health care or any kind of health care, frankly, to Republicans. They're just looking for how they can screw people and make some money for their billionaire buddies. You know, Tom, you said it once, you said it all when you said the Republican Party is a scam. And that's all it is. It's a big scam. Yeah, it really is. There, it's the official front group for the billionaire class. Mark, thank you for the call. Very well said. I appreciate that. And thanks for the shout out for our newsletter. Every day, every story I talk about, Sue puts the link to the original news source for that story in our newsletter. So you get Sue's daily stack every day. It's pretty remarkable. Steve in Evanston, Illinois. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? So you're talking about health care again. I've always wanted one thing. I'm a progressive and I, I like a more progressive health care plan. But uh, given that Republicans are people that tend to want to sabotage our government, what would happen if we won and we put health care under government? Wouldn't they just have more power to sabotage our health care? Well, that's what's happening with the Affordable Care Act. And, but, and it's happening in plain sight. And the, the question is, will Americans get it? I mean, are enough Americans well enough informed to realize that, you know, uh, the Affordable Care Act is being sabotaged. It turns out that there was literally a 10-point plan to sabotage the Affordable Care Act that was part of a meeting in March after Trump was inaugurated that included Mick Mulvaney and Tom Price and you know people from the so-called Freedom Caucus, the Cokehead Caucus, and they've already put into place two or three of these 10 points, and they are taking down Obamacare. And they're telling us, oh, but we'll have a better alternative after the election, and all, you know, just give us you know another two years 
And, and in the meantime, they're going to pack the courts like crazy. So they'll have a backup for all this stuff. I mean, it's just it's nuts. Steve, thanks for the call. From Steve to Steve in Zimmerman, Minnesota. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, Tom, I was calling about the lady that got the sticker shock for the $3,000 ambulance ride. Right. The emergency rooms have to take you in, but even if you can't pay, but uh, the ambulance companies will come after you forever. I just raised my $20,000 coverage to $50,000 because that's all you get, the max in automotive coverage for your health care. Right. And I had an accident on February 9th, and they gave me a ride to the hospital 50 miles away by helicopter, and that bill was $13,400. Holy cow. Yeah, and it's out of pocket. Amazing. It's the poop plan. You're Thanks, Steve. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Pay out of pocket. That's the Republican plan. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our podcast. One of our sponsors is the X Chair. And I got to tell you, they've got this new thing, Dynamic Variable Lumbar Support. They call it DVL. The X Chair's DVL is really designed to adjust for you. I mean, you know, the average chair, maybe it goes up and down, right? This thing really is totally customizable. Whether you're 5'2 and 110 pounds or 6'4 and 250, the X Chair actually will adapt itself to you. And now with the introduction of the X Basic model, there's an X chair for every body type and every budget. Take advantage of the X chair's new financing option to pay as little as 30 bucks a month to take your comfort and productivity to the next level for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee. And X chair is also on sale now for $100 off. So just go to X chair Tom, T-H-O-M, X chair Tom.com, X chair Tom, or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. Comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. And if you use the code XWHEELS over at XChairTom.com now, you'll also receive a free set of the new XWHEELS with your chair. That's XChairTom, T-H-O-M, XChairTom.com. Would you like to watch the Tom Harbin program? All three hours of our program Anytime you'd like, would you like to hear special content where we talk about, you know, what the billionaires are up to or climate change or the newest things in science? There's all kinds of great content like that. That's also available. The place to find all this is the Tom Hartman channel over on Patreon. Patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Tom Hartman, T-H-O-M-H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, all run together. Patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. And there, when you become a supporter of the program through Patreon, you have access to the full three-hour show every day, anytime you want, any place you want, and special content that we put up every single week that is unique specifically to our Patreon page. So check it out, patreon.com slash Tom Hartman. Thank you. Our book today is The 31-Day Food Revolution, Heal Your Body, Feel Great, and Transform Your World by Ocean Robbins, with a foreword by Joel Furman, MD. This is from the introduction. Let me call it like it is. We live in a toxic food culture. It's led us to epidemic rates of obesity, heart disease, cancer, type 2 diabetes, and Alzheimer's. Things have gotten so bad that most people think it's normal to have at least a few extra pounds around the middle, to depend on an ever-growing supply of prescription medications, and to lose a little more memory and mobility with every passing year. This may be typical, 
but it sure as heck doesn't have to be normal. Eating food is mandatory, but suffering from brain fog, living with ever-declining health, and feeling like crap are not. The fact is that right now, hundreds of millions of people are hurting from diseases that never, ever needed to happen in the first place. Dangerous changes have been made to our food supply in just the last 25 years that impact how your food is grown and processed and how safe it is to eat. The status quo is driving small farmers out of business, forcing animals to live in deplorable conditions, and producing food that's making us sick. The medical industry and the processed food industry are earning trillions of dollars in a system that's devastating lives and threatening the very future of life on our planet. It's my mission to help put an end to this madness by sharing the truth about food and helping eaters put it into action. That's, where I found, that's why I founded the 500,000 plus member Food Revolution Network. And it's why I wrote the book you now hold in your hands. In some ways, I might seem like a pretty unlikely food revolutionary. After all, in 1953, my grandfather, Irving Robbins, joined with his brother-in-law, Bert Baskin, to found the 31 Flavors Ice Cream Company, Baskin Robbins. My grandfather was a consummate entrepreneur, and he set his heart on offering consumers many more options, 31 to be exact, one for each day of the month. My dad, John, grew up with an ice cream cone-shaped swimming pool. Sometimes he even ate ice cream for breakfast. He was groomed from early childhood to one day run the family company. My dad's youthful innovations included Jamocha Almond Fudge, one of our company's most iconic flavors to this day, and the rollout to all the stores of the famous Pink Spoons that enabled customers to enjoy free samples. But in 1967, my grandpa's brother-in-law and business partner, Bert Baskin, became very ill. His doctors informed him he was dying of heart disease. I never knew my great-uncle Bert because he passed on a short time later, six years before I was born. But I do know that he was one of the greatest entrepreneurs in American history. He had tremendous wealth, a business he enjoyed, and a family he loved. And he ate a lot of ice cream. And in the end, he lost his life and his health at the age of 54. Grandpa Irv was faced with a choice. He could sell the company for a large sum of money, or he could keep the company in the business and take on my dad, then about to turn 20, as a business partner. Grandpa Irv chose to invite his son aboard. But my dad declined his father's invitation, walking away from Baskin-Robbins and from any access to or dependence on the family wealth. For him, it was a choice for integrity, and it's a choice I've always respected. My dad had seen ice cream bring smiles to a lot of people, but he also knew that unhealthy foods could fuel devastating consequences, and he didn't want to spend his life selling a product that might contribute to more people suffering and dying before their time. So he left a path that was practically paved with gold and ice cream to follow his own rocky road. My dad had suffered from polio as a child and grew up frequently fatigued and ill. In the 1960s, he fell in love with my mom in Berkeley, and the two of them set out on a healthy living path. They stopped eating processed foods, they gave up ice cream, and they based their diets on vegetables and whole natural foods. As my dad's health and energy returned, he and my mom moved to a remote little island off the coast of British Columbia, Canada, where they built a one-room log cabin, grew most of their own food, practiced yoga and meditation for several hours a day, and named their kid Ocean. They say that, that they almost named me Kale. I'm glad they took the more conservative route on this one. In any case, we did eat a lot of kale, along with cabbage, carrots, onions, broccoli, turnips, Swiss chard, and many other vegetables that my parents grew, plus brown rice, sprouts, buckwheat, and beans. For a treat, once in a blue moon, we'd have a few drops of organic blackstrap molasses. I think we went through about a bottle a year. Though my childhood diet was Spartan and my family lived on very little money, I grew up feeling rich in health. I became an accomplished distance runner, completing my first marathon at the age of 10. 
My dad went on to study the impact of food choices and to share what he was learning. His landmark bestsellers, including Diet for a New America, inspired millions of people and helped to galvanize the modern health food movement. The media was tickled by the notion of a would-be ice cream heir becoming a healthy eating spokesperson and called him the rebel without a cone and the prophet of nonprofit. Tens of thousands of people wrote my dad letters, often by hand, sharing how his work had changed, sometimes even saved their lives. One of the lives his work impacted, as fate would have it, was that of my own grandpa, Irv. Now, my grandpa had been pretty mad when my dad walked away from the ice cream company. He and my dad went years without speaking. But then something remarkable happened. In 1989, Grandpa Irv, then in his early 70s, was suffering from diabetes, heart disease, and weight problems. He'd always eaten the modern diet with a double scoop of ice cream on top. His cardiologist told him he didn't have long to live unless he changed his diet. And then the good doctor handed him a copy of my dad's book, the book 31 Day Food Revolution by Ocean Robbins. Tom in Seattle. Hey, Tom, what's up? Oh, hey, how's it going? Good. Thanks, Thanks for listening to KBCS. Up. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I was just thinking it might be a decent idea. I was listening to Democracy Now! this morning. I only heard the last 15 minutes of it, but they were talking about health care, and they were interviewing a guy, Adam Gaffney or something. Anyway, he did a pretty good job, I thought, of fielding the questions, but they're giving him some really good specific questions about Medicare for All. Mm -hmm. And I thought it might not be a bad idea to do a mock-up. I mean, fund some sort of a, you know, everybody that's on board, uh, put together something where you can actually log in your actual numbers and figure out what your costs will be. And, oh, interesting. You know, like, like, like the mortgage calculator things, you know, where you plug in the interest rate and the price of the house and it tells you what your monthly payments are. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, my premiums are 720 a month for me and my two girls. And, you know, we could put in whatever our, whatever we pitch in each month or whatever your sure. employer is, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. if you figure 20% of that right off the top is going to profits for the health insurance company. So you know that with a Medicare for all system, the cost of overhead administration with the federal government with Medicare is around 2%. So that you're going to save 18% right there. And then, you know, if, you, if we can get control of drug prices by having the government be able to negotiate drug prices like the Pentagon does or the Veterans Administration does or all the big health insurance companies do, then you'd, you'd save more money depending on how many medications you use. So, yeah, yeah, that's a... That's I mean, a, be specific, though. I like, so you can log in your actual numbers so there isn't a vague... You know, hmm, I wonder what it's going to cost me in right. two years when it goes in or whatever. Yeah, like the mortgage calculators. You know, it's not free. It's, you know, it's going to be taxed. We're going to have to pay for it. So what's it going to be? Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, another thing that would be a nice companion piece to that would be how much does it cost in other countries? You know, in Canada, I've had Canadians call in and say, I pay $140 a month for my entire family. Or had one guy call in and say he pays $210 a month for his entire family. Uh, somebody else said yeah. that they pay nothing because they're low income. It would be interesting to see what the spread is in other countries that have single-payer health care systems or similar right. programs construction worker in wherever yeah in saskatchewan you know you know how, yeah. how does it work yeah that's a great suggestion tom i hope somebody who's in a position to do something about it is listening great idea 
If you're like me, then safeguarding your money through market downturns is a clear priority. And frankly, we've seen enough market volatility to make any investor nervous. For people like us who think outside the box and read between the lines, it's becoming even more clear that the insider secret of accumulating physical gold is becoming a lot less of a secret and more of a trend. According to the World Gold Council, in 2018 alone, central bank gold purchases increased by over 74%. The bottom line is that we are starting to see the cracks forming in our economy. And the faster you take action, the better your opportunity. There's only one company I personally recommend in this industry, and that's the expert strategists at ITM Trading. They specialize in wealth protection and opportunity positioning. Both, as you know, are imperative in our current economic climate. Call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and hedge your bets like the top 1% do. Call one own gold That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one own gold Tom Hartman here with you, and Tennessee just knocked 128,000 kids off their insurance. This is an amazing story. This is in the Nashville Tennessean by Brett Kelman. Tennessean.com is the website. Uh, like so many others, Heather Hance found out the hard way that her son's health insurance had vanished. Hance, 44, a Tennessee single mom whose six-year-old son Harrison has autism, moved into a new house last summer, then called the state government to provide her new address. It was critical, she knew, that she update her son's file at TenCare, the Medicaid program that provides him with essential care. On the phone, she got devastating news. Her son no longer has TenCare. I was horrified, she said, because I knew exactly what was going to happen next. Over the next month, Hans's fears came true. Without 10 care, she could no longer afford to send her son to therapy that helped with his speech, dexterity, and self-esteem. Soon he began having meltdowns and sobbing fits at school. They transferred him across town, blah 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 She said it was a catastrophe. This is what Republicans do to health care. This is just in Tennessee, 128,000 children. The Republicans just said, screw you. This is the Republican Party's message to all of us, is to hell with us, right? We're just disposable people. We're not billionaires. Only billionaires and multimillionaires in the Republicans' world should have really good health insurance. Everybody else, hey, you got to have some skin in the game. You got to be afraid. You got to be concerned. You got to be worried. If you're not really worried, then you won't buckle down and work for the oligarchs for six bucks, seven, $7.25 an hour. I mean, this is this is literally how they think. This is literally how they think. You know, skin in the game, this old phrase that they, I mean, just Google it sometime. I, I did an article about this a, a few months ago. This shocking meme that poverty somehow causes motivation to people, unless you're rich. For rich people, you know, if Paris Hilton wants to sit around on her butt, you know, by the pool waiting for her dividend check to arrive, she should have a low tax rate for her capital gains because after all, she's a job creator. But if a working person wants some kind of benefits, oh, don't even think about it, right? You've got to prove that you're either trying to get a job or do have a job or you're performing community service before you get food stamps, before you get health care, because you've got to grovel for those government benefits because the billionaires paid their taxes and they don't want that money going out to anybody except them. Frank in Caldwell, Idaho. Hey, Frank, it says here you want to disagree with me. What's wh about what? I take exception to your statement that the people, the people shouldn't have to work for the benefits they get. Okay. Why? Why? Why should the American taxpayer support people who are not willing to work? 
Uh, why, why is work your criteria? Is that the only thing that makes people decent? What about somebody who's, no, who's caring for their children at home? Decent. Do you think, do you think well, that a, a person who, who, is, who is raising their kids at home shouldn't have access to health care or education in the United States? No, I don't think anybody. What do you mean decent? I'm talking about people that's too lazy to work and support themselves. Yeah, right. I, do you know any of the <laughs> Frank, again, you're defining people's worth by their willingness or capability to work. This is the problem that you have like in Tennessee or in many of these red states where people are being thrown off health care, Medicare health care, Medicaid health care, health care for poor people. They're being thrown off because they can't find work. What? Yeah. How can you say that? Well, because it's true. I don't know. But, but beyond that, Frank, I don't care well. if somebody's working or not. You know, if, if somebody's a human being, they should have the you know basic human dignity. They should have access to health care. We should not say to people, are you a good person or a bad person before we decide whether to give them penicillin? That seems to me like the most unchristian, selfish, greedy, SOB, awful thing that I could imagine. I don't understand hey, why you, you would support a, a position like that, Frank. That's bizarre. Okay, why do you, where, where's your idea that, that the government's supposed to come up to me and take my money and give it to somebody who's not willing to work? Where do you get that idea? Frank, you're defending this position that, uh -huh, that a person who is a human being should be denied health care. How many people do you support? You're defending a position that is anti-Christian. You are defending a position that is anti-human. You're suggesting that before a person is able to get health care, they should have to prove their worth. That is sick, Frank. You are one sick, no, no, twisted no, 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 no. guy. They, they prove their worth ain't got nothing to do with it. That prove is absolutely twisted. They should pay for it themselves. And if they don't no, have the resources? They're, well, if they're not, the if they're not wealthy, if they weren't born rich, if they weren't born middle class, if they weren't born, you know, if... if Come on, Frank. What, there, what, you have what, some what humanity. Right, what gives you a right to take Frank, what would Jesus do? Not to work? Frank, what would Jesus do? I don't care what Jesus would do. I'm telling you. Okay, so you yeah, we, okay, we get it. A, you hate Christianity. You're not Christian. B, you hate humans. And C, you're, you're, you're a selfish, twisted old man. Frank, give it up. I'm done with you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. So I understand the devil's running a single-payer health care program down in hell. Frank's in for a real hell of a shock. David in Naugatuck, Connecticut. Hey, David, what's on your mind? Thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's hey. on your mind today? Hey, I just wanted to point out two quick things. And, and even though I was only seven years old, in my opinion, health insurance started really going down after Richard Nixon signed the HMO into law. Yeah. The Kaiser yeah. Foundation. Yeah, in the early 70s. And the second thing is... I think it's really the most deceptive thing about health insurance is this 80-20 rule where health insurers get 20% of the pie. Right. So what they've done is, is they've allowed, uh, with no cost controls, they've allowed costs to go, go unchecked so that their 20% is a bigger pie, just like with yeah, exactly. defense contract spending. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And then Goldman Sachs a year ago wrote a report, and they pointed to hepatitis C being cured, mm -hmm. that... Um, if cancer was to suddenly be cured, then health insurance would be unstable, in their opinion, which I think is sick. Yeah. 
Well, it is it is an industry. My, my old friend Don Hoy, who ran this uh, uh, organization called the Creative Health Institute, he used to say every cancer diagnosis is a quarter million dollar boost to the economy. And this was back in the 80s. It's probably a million dollars now. And in fact, when my wife had breast cancer, and this was just as the Affordable Care Act was kicking in, she was pushing up to that lifetime limit. And the insurance company had already notified her that they were getting ready to cut her off. This the is people used to have to change jobs. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I mean, there's there's you know lots and lots of ways. If we go back to how things were before the Affordable Care Act, there's lots and lots of ways that people just get totally screwed um, by the health insurance industry. It's it's a terrible thing. Thanks a lot for the call, Craig in Gresham, Oregon. Hey, Craig, what's on your mind? And thanks for listening on Progressive um, Voices. I wanted to relay an incident that happened to me that uh, you might not find surprising, but perhaps some of your listeners will. Uh, my family and I were on vacation in Germany, which I think you lived there for a while, so you should know. Yeah. But uh, one of my daughters cut her hand on some glass on the top of her hand. It was about an inch-long cut, and it was a deep cut, and it was bleeding profusely. Uh, we bandaged it up, grabbed a taxi, and said, take us to the closest emergency room. And he did. And when we walked in there, all I wanted to know was... They wanted to look at my passport number, and they wanted to know my home address. And my daughter was seeing a doctor in 10 minutes or less, and he stitched her hand up, bandaged it, everything. Sent us on our way. They said they'd send us a bill. So about two months after we got home, I got a bill from them. I opened it up, and I was very surprised. It was for a total of $30. Holy cow. It, it was amazing. I I felt like sending them more. Yeah. If they can do it, we can do it. 30 bucks. Was it broken out? Was that like the cost of the bandage or something? Or was that just, you know, that's, that's the deductible for an emergency room visit? I, I don't know what it was for. That was all yeah. we ever had to send them, though. Uh, it amazing. just covered everything. Yeah, yeah. That's... And I was amazed. It was that you can't walk into an emergency room here for $30. No. So... You know, if they can do it, we can do it. We just got to find the right way. Oh, man, we're just as smart as the Germans. And, and you know, we or at least we should be. I mean, we've got the Republican Party weighing us down. Right. And then, you know, the Fox News viewership kind of, you know, tilting the tilting the uh, the curve here. But, you know, we can do it. Craig, thank you. That's that's a great story. I appreciate you calling and sharing it with us. Michelle in Panorama City, California. Two things. One, I wanted to reply to the caller who had inherited the funds. I'm an accounting professional, so not a lawyer, so they need to... If, if, Michelle, if I, may, if I may interrupt you just for a second, because people tune in and they tune out, and probably a lot of people uh-huh. listening right now don't know what you're talking about, so I'll just recap it real quickly, and then sure. you can give your advice. person called in and said he was a type 1 diabetic and had been since he was in the fourth grade, and his insulin is very expensive, and it's covered by his Medicaid. His mother died, and he inherited 400 acres. This is out in rural Iowa, which is worth 400 grand. And suddenly, the government says, uh, you, "You're a rich man now. We're not going to cover you anymore." And he's all he's got is a property tax liability. He doesn't have cash. He was like, "This is a terrible thing, and we need to talk about it." And, and I agreed, and I said, "It's even worse for end-of-life treatment for nursing home care that's covered by Medicaid." And so now you want to weigh in on this. Uh, yes, uh, there, I do know that, uh, I'm, again, each state might have some stipulations, but there are trusts that if you do have some kind of condition or are not capable of handling things, there are trusts that can be set up for the benefit of somebody, and that way it does not affect their benefits that they get from the government. 
So basically somebody else is in control of the money. And that's what we were told when my mother, and now this was in Michigan, and I, again, I, I don't know if this is state or federal, but um, you know, mm -hmm. when we were looking at the possibility of her going into a nursing home, the story was uh, she has to be broke or Medicaid will not pay for it. And, and we're, you know, the nursing homes are expensive. So we would have had to take the house that she lived in and, you know, dad's book collection and the antiques that they had collected throughout their lives, which, you know, probably in total, it was worth maybe 150,000 bucks. All of that would have had to have been sold and spent. You can't just like give it to your kids or something. Although I suppose you could put it in a trust, but then there has to be a two year period where you're impoverished before you qualify for this. So you're saying plan in advance. There, is that basically there it? There is, there is, there's in advance, there is our trusts that can be set up. Mm -hmm. that are for the benefit of somebody. Right. So if somebody's a, a disabled person, mentally disabled, and they're never going to be able to handle any money or do that, and right. they're on government assistance, and they can, there are trusts that can be set up to somebody else basically is control of that. Right. They, they're the ones who basically um, would be the right. ones. But the bottom line is that the beneficiary, the person receiving the benefits, has to be uh, impoverished. Well, right, but but the, uh, this way they don't have to have nothing there. So if the, if, if the mm. gentleman had uh, diabetes, he could have, if they knew ahead of time with the family, they could have set up a trust where somebody else would have control of the assets. It's a specific right. kind of trust, and that then anything from those assets, he can have the benefit of those assets or, or other things, but he, he will not lose their benefits. Thank you. That's good information. And if you're in a situation like that, check it out, Michelle. Thank you so much. And. Russ in Fort Myers, Florida. Hey, Russ, thanks for listening to SiriusXM. What's on your mind today? Hello, Tom. Nice to talk to you again. Thanks. I, I had dinner with you one time in D.C. a number of years ago when you were still there. So oh, anyway, nice. I listen to your show. I just wanted to comment again because I hear so many people calling into your show about uh, how terrible the health care is overseas. I've lived in Germany for a couple of years, and we travel there a number of times. And I've got to say, my wife ended up in the emergency room in Florence with a severe bladder infection due to exhaustion and dehydration, mm -hmm. and we didn't know what the problem was. She was in the emergency room at 2 in the morning. She had an MRI, a CAT scan, all kinds of heavy sedatives for her pain, and they watched her, and they flushed her out with fluid and all that. Yeah. This is Florence, got, Italy, Russ? Yeah, Florence, yeah. Italy. And we left with paying nothing, and we got our bill about two months later. CAT scan, MRI, and all the heavy um, uh, drugs that they gave her, the bill was under $200. Yeah. So yeah. I was happy to pay it and would have paid him more. So, And I've been in the hospital in Germany. So anyway, I just got to agree that we're making too much money. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, we're, we're making not, too much money for the healthcare billionaires. That's, that's what's going on yeah. is all that money is going to the healthcare billionaires. Russ, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. That's a, that's a brilliant. Johnny in Lamarck, Texas. Johnny, you got the last call of the day. We have a little less than a minute. What's up? Yes, sir. I'm a longtime contributor to a volunteer advocacy and policy organization in Texas called Healthcare Parole Texas. Mm-hmm. HCFAT.org. Right. It's part of the Physicians for National Health Care Program, PNHP. Great. And the last time I looked at that website, we have a calculator. So you can go to HCFAT.org and plug in your personal financials, and then it'll show you what your savings would be under universal health care. Oh, interesting. HCFAT, as in for all Texans.org. 
Yeah, healthcare for all Texans. Yeah, healthcare for all Texans. Johnny, thanks for sharing that with us. That's great. Remarkable. What a day. I learned so much from my list from you. Thank you so much for teaching me and for everything. You know, just keeping this thing rolling and for sharing our, our stories with your friends and, and, and uh, you know, getting people to, our, to the various ways that you can hear our program. Um, thank you so much. And don't forget, what a day today, huh? Don't forget, A, you got this thing coming up on Thursday. And uh, check that out at uh, trumpisnotabovethelaw.org and tag your it. Get out there, get active. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 